Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon. You are listening to the COB podcast here at AusBiz. My name is David Scott and I'm joined today by Annette Beecher. It's uh, been a while, Beach, but uh, yeah, the market had another update today. It sure did. I was just looking at uh, why it's up and uh, on my little Reuters screen, I've got small caps, mid caps and top 20. And guess what? It's in that decelerating order. Small caps went backwards and it was all the way to the top cap. So when you look at today, it's all about financials and materials. The commodity sector has had a top session, I have to say. It's, uh, well, that's still one of the big drivers, let's face it, for the stock stock market. Yeah, iron ore prices had a bit of a, a bump last night up to, uh, to fresh multi-month highs. Still well and truly off the, the highs that we saw last year, though. But uh, just listen to some of the gains we saw come through today. Uh, Rio Tinto up 4.3%. BHP up 4.1%. Uh, South 32 up 3.8%. Uh, Fortescue, uh, even despite a couple of downgrades uh, earlier in the week for some of the brokers, uh, no, still managed to go and add 2.4% as well. Just, uh, so much excitement about that commodity space at the moment. Some people are putting it down to uh, what's going on uh, in Brazil with the iron ore shipments being impacted by pretty severe flooding over there, but also that really weak inflation report we got out of China yesterday, which has got the stimmy excitement going it's again there. Of course, lots of commo- yeah, lots of commodity prices as well having a really decent day today. Energy sector getting some tailwinds and crude prices, which looks set to go and test the double top that we're seeing just above 86 bucks for uh, for Brent in the not too distant future. Certainly, looking very tight those market conditions. Another big factor is the US dollar, which for all the positives you're going to imagine out there at the moment, yeah. actually fell pretty sharply following the release of inflation that was the hottest it had been it's since 1982. 1982. I was around then, but maybe so not, was I. Maybe not too too many were that uh, is listening to this. But let's face it. I mean, this is uh, sometimes a frustrating factor with my macro hat back on. Normally, inflation like this is a real like it's it's crippling household budgets it's not great if your wages aren't keeping up but apparently if the market expects it then it doesn't seem to matter and hence why the big dollar got absolutely smashed overnight because apparently it wasn't not strong enough and there were no surprises yeah, and so uh, since it, uh, a lot of positives are, are baked into that uh, that greenback story, I've written about it in my view today. I think that uh, it could be a little bit vulnerable, despite looking so good. That could actually be the reason to go and sell it because uh, we already know so many positive, positive factors at the moment. Yeah, and that, that China story, which you know put a light under material space today, is another factor that you need to consider as well. Looking across the market map as well, financials are those cyclical players. We did see yields going steep and a little bit off the back of that inflation curve today, but all of the big four up by between zero point one percent. 
1.5% for Westpac, all the way up to 1.1% for ANZ. Macquarie Group also managed to scrape home with a little bit of a gain. But uh, on the flip side, it was those long duration names again and yet they got just hammered. So a bit of a reprieve yesterday. But Polynovo down 9.6%. Points Bet Holdings down 5.8%. Uh, Sonic Healthcare 5.4%. Nanosonics 4.5%. Temple and Webster 4%. So you get the picture out there at the moment. The buy now, pay later space as well. Oh yeah, buy now, pay later was uh, absolutely shocking right across the board. Don't forget, Afterpay popped yesterday after that Bank of Spain was the last regulatory hurdle and a few people obviously just took that off the table. So while banks did well, buy now, pay later, not so much. So one for the oldies, I think, in the bricks and mortar banks. Yeah, and uh, look, the top performer of the session today was, of course, Crown Blackstone. Looks like it may go and eventually go and take over Is the casino. Is that fifth time lucky now, Scotty? I've, I've, I've given up <laughs> trying to go. Count. I remember how many there are. There have been, been a lot of bids. I noticed that the Star Group came out to some like you know, groveling uh, response to the ASX saying, oh, yeah, we're still interested, in doing, we're still interested <laughs> in doing something. It's like, yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case, at least based off uh, those interim uh, non-binary offer. It's 13 bucks 10 a share that's been lobbed on the table uh look uh what else has been going on in the market today let's uh let's have a chat with uh what's going on we talk about uh the big rally that we've seen over the past couple of years it's been a bit wobbles out there at the moment uh i had a chat with today from uh Nathan summer from deep data analytics and uh, the tricky environment, he goes, yeah, stocks are high now, but he's not sure how long that will last for. Yeah, he's certainly feeling a little cautious and defensive. And so the link is in the show notes. He basically gives a long list on how you can be defensive. Now, I know, Scuddy, one of these you will not share, which is gold, uh, but that's not necessarily for everyone. But in terms of like food, agriculture, food price inflation, it's uh, starting to think you need to be a little bit more discriminatory when it comes to where to put your money. So take a listen of that. I mean, if you're feeling a little cautious and you want to be defensive without going into cash, I mean, heaven knows that's not going to get you anywhere. Take a listen. I, um, I have to go and clarify. So I'm, I'm bearish on the gold spot price. So I just think it's, uh, it's going to get walloped as soon as real yields start to normalise. But even said, those gold miners listed here in Australia in particular, just making money ham over fist, particularly when you consider what's going on with the Aussie dollar gold. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, it's got to be put into context that I'm not universally bearish. Just well, you're a, not a bug. Just, just, yeah, just, just <laughs> the underlying uh, no, the, uh, commodity I'm not enthusiastic about at this stage. I also had a chat with uh, Andrew Villant from DP Wealth Advisory up there in beautiful Toowoomba. Uh, he's got uh, three ETS to go and help you protect your portfolio. So another defensive interview coming through on the uh on the show also i finished off the day with claude walker from a rich life uh getting his views on the healthcare space which some people could go and see as being a bit of inflation hedge and also uh, a bit of defensive as well and uh giving some opportunities out there a couple of small cap names out there in the space and one way to go and diversify your risk as well so well worth having to listen to that if you iron off some opportunities in that sector which has uh talents coming from demographics and in a lot of cases, pretty significant pricing power as well. Uh, and then I started off talking about iron ore. I probably should have just gone straight That's to the right, stock of the straight day. Straight to stock of the day. BHP, <laughs> the big Australian. It's getting even bigger when it gets Huge fully Australian. united back on the local market. Uh, removed from the uh, from the London bourse. Uh, lots of in, in, uh, intrigue about what's going on, of course. So, no, divesting its energy assets to Woodside Petroleum. So we sat down today with Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital and Mark Garner from Macro to go and get their view as to whether BHP is a buy, hold and sell. Take a listen. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on with BHP, um, but it'll have you know some ramifications for the Aussie index. Their their weighting in the index will go from about six percent to ten percent. Um, you know, that's not small, and it'll be the, probably the largest business on the ASX. Will overtake um, CBA and, and CSL. Look, it, it's an interesting one um, merging the the oil assets with with Woodside. I don't have a problem holding both of these stocks, and I wouldn't sell BHP just to hold Woodside yep. um, because you're not holding BHP for its oil assets. Look, I think BHP overall, I'm, I'm still very much a hold. If anything, I'd be buying any sort of any sort of dips. It's pretty close to broker consensus around um, $46, uh, or so $47. But uh, to be honest, I could possibly see it um, back above 50 at some stage this year. Is it an in? Is it an out? Well, you might have to listen. But Mr. Yeah. Gardner says it's a buy on dip. Yeah, Luke's, Luke's basically got a hold there. So it was already in the portfolio, I believe. So yeah, BHB uh, sticks there for the time being. Uh, for those as a bonus, we had a chat about whiskey on oh, the program yeah. as well today. And, so I'm, and I'm that sure, particular I'm, whiskey is a bit of a favourite in our household, I yeah, have we to are. say. We're not going to give away the name, but uh, <laughs> nope. I, I can assure you that the, uh, the gentlemen on the program were not drinking it at that stage, <laughs> particularly when it came towards the back end of the hour, which could get quite messy. Uh, look, Annette, we've got the Fed blackout period coming up. We're going to go and hear from the Fed, and they're going to go, of course, try and uh, soothe market tensions when they go and meet at the end of January. But I want to go and put it to you because we've seen this inflation come out, 7% headline annualised, you know, 5.5% for core. It's so strong it's the levels we have not seen in decades out there at the moment and the fed is still doing qe now it's mind-bogglingly stupid in my opinion from your perspective where do they go from here because they tried to go and appease market and say oh no we're going to go and be patient we're going to go and finish qe then there's going to be a gap between that and raising rates and then there's going to be not even talk of qt then what we're seeing now, it's all the conversations about, oh, we need to go and get to, you know, cracking on quantitative timing on as everything. soon as possible. Yeah, we have to get cracking on everything. And so I guess that's why it's very easy for us to stand around and sort of say, well, they've now got catch up. It took them a long time to retire that uh, tapering, the, the, the T's, let's face it. Is it transitory? Mm. Are we tapering? And in the meantime, it's it's absolutely run away from them. Inflation at 7%, it doesn't matter whether it's transitory or not, that is chomping into household budgets. It starts to become a political minefield. So let's face it, during QE, the rich just got richer. And now we're talking about jacking up interest rates, which doesn't really help the bottom end of the income quartile either. Mm. So it's just turning into a, a messy situation. It could have been handled a lot better. I think the actual emergency, you and I've had this discussion all the time, Scuddy. I mean, the emergency is not there. Why we are doing emergency monetary policy is completely beyond me. And to make it worse, all of my discussions with economists in the last couple of days is, oh, the RBA's got time on its side. What, do we do we need to see 7% inflation? No, we've got record job vacancies at the moment <laughs> and uh, really struggling to go and find staff and uh, no, trying to go retain good staff, asking an employer at the well, moment. good uh, restaurants are running at 50% with signs in the window saying we can't do any more with no staff. Correct, no, but we're different, remember? So oh, we'll, yeah, we'll hear from different. the RBA. <laughs> uh, I reckon we'll hear from the RBA you know, sometime in late, uh, late January, probably just after the Fed meeting, and I suspect that they'll go and lay the foundation to go and wind up its QE program. Thank goodness it's not required one iota. Oh, never and was then, required, then, to be honest. Then we'll see whether that might go and trigger some hawkish rhetoric, depending on what the Fed says, but you'd imagine that there is probably a risk that we'll see that language go and shift as well, because the domestic economy, yes, it's struggling a little bit. There is a pothole from Omicron. No doubt, but uh, all things being equal, balance sheets are still in a very strong position. 
and uh, I feel pretty confident about the uh, the remaining bits of summer into the autumn season. Look, Annette, let's go and leave it there because we're going to have to go and prepare ourselves for US reporting season, which kicks off, of course, later this week. There's going to be the focus of attention and particularly the banks, what they're doing when it comes to NIM and loan growth at the moment. We saw the target on consumer credit in the States uh, last month absolutely boomed yeah, a record soaring. level. So uh, that might go very well for the banks, particularly in an environment where yields are starting to go and rise at the back end. So we will cool our heels and uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. We shall. Speak Friday. Bye.